in Los Angeles yeah. as a as a media professional. Yeah. Um, you know, so what's your story? How did you how did you go from Massachusetts to to uh, the West Coast in the media biz? Uh, it have I came to Los Angeles. I've been there. Uh, your brother actually pointed this out to me the other day that I've been there a third of my life now, eleven years. Uh, of, the, of my 33 years of life and I, it, it kind of happened really spontaneously I went to school at Emerson College here in Boston and last semester most students go out and do an internship in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and you know LA is, is is nowhere near here it's a totally it's like the complete opposite end of the country and it kind of shocks me sometimes how easily I just picked up and moved out there and I guess when I went out there for last semester I could have it was a good trial period I could have just packed it up after three months and came back here but I stayed I got a job pretty quickly my internship turned into a job a lot of my friends were doing the same things I have you know built-in community I have some family out there as well and uh, 11 years later <laughs> I'm still there right and so so what uh, you've been doing media a long time, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. So, you know, so you were interested in in video and uh, and for you know for ages, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, what was that like? <laughs> I mean, I was fortunate to have such a strong TV production program in high school at Framingham High School. I graduated in '04, and uh, just really great mentors, great teachers, and that kind of easily told me what I wanted to do in college. A lot of people aren't sure what they want to do when they're applying for college, and they kind of pick some safe options or some have some ideas in their head. But I knew I want to do TV. I want to do production. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did that for three years, and then, last, you know, then did a semester in L.A., and then I'm out there. And I think just having a lot, you know, knowing in advance I, I want to do all this stuff definitely helped me kind of find my footing a little bit in Los Angeles. There's a lot... There's a lot there. There's a lot of different types of production. There's huge TV networks. There's huge movie studios. But there's also a lot of smaller production, people who really just want to kind of find their footing on their own. And I think I kind of fell somewhere in the middle. I'm trying to get – I have a lot of knowledge on my of where I came from. I want to jump into the big, big leagues and try to find there. But, you know, just the Internet. The Internet, and I'm sure it's prevalent everywhere in the world, but especially in Los Angeles, the Internet is just this new form – of distribution that anyone can take advantage of and I think being partnered and paired with all the right people who are in Los Angeles who already want to be there to do media to do that type of work it connects a lot of people together and I mean I've helped friends with little film shoots for web series that are winning awards and are getting major attention because they're just in the right places and they're kind of being able to collaborate with the right people sometimes these are people who may have big jobs at big networks during the week but then want to collaborate on smaller things on the weekend because they want to not just for the money not just for a paycheck but because they want to take on these passion projects and they're surrounded by people who can help them do it mm-hmm. and so you're more of a behind the camera person yes right? Right. yes definitely so, yeah so and it, you're a producer is that yes is it, would that gonna be the kind yes. of how would you characterize yourself and you've done this for for uh, for a number of years, right? number of years, yes. Um, and I think part of our audience are folks that may not know film, may not be uh, too, or may not know media in the business and in the industry. So, for folks that maybe don't know, like what you know, what is the role <laughs> of a producer or a director of production on like a media 
television, internet program? I mean, a producer, I think the easiest way to sum it up, they're, they're, the, they're the person or the group of people who are really collaborating on making the project happen. And sometimes producers can be more cr on the creative side, and sometimes they're more on the logistical side, on the planning side of things. And, and sometimes they overlap, and sometimes they don't. I think you look at a like a, a film that's being created. A lot of times, the director is really the head of the creative in that end. The producer is more finding finance, finding money to to, to, to make the project a reality. Mm -hmm. uh, on TV, though, I think producers are more. They work closer with writers and trying to formulate what they want the show to be, what they want the idea to be. Um, from a, a larger perspective, and then you, you have individual writers and directors who make craft individual episodes, individual installments of a series, but producers are really the ones driving the vision. Um, ultimately, for, you know, on a larger scale for a TV network, for a bigger corporation, but sometimes for themselves, for something smaller that they're trying to get out there, a message they're trying to get out to the world. Uh huh. And uh, does the role of producer, um, as you said, it seems like the internet has a lot of sort of, you know, disruptive, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, track record, I suppose you could say at yeah. this point, uh, you know, but does the role of producer, you know, with something as, uh, you know, as hard to wrangle <laughs> as the internet, you know, does that change the role of producer in, in any ways? It just means a lot of times on the internet, the producer might be doing more on their own. They may, a producer may be the one um, writing a concept coming up with a concept, but also, you know, editing it, uh, distributing it, trying to promote it online. Mm -hmm. uh, I think with the rise of podcasts, the rise of uh, different YouTube shows, I mean, they, they don't have to be a traditional length. They can kind of be whatever they're going to be. And a lot, I see a lot of, you know, really successful one-man bands out there who are kind of doing it all, and I respect them. I think that's, you know, it takes a lot to put it all out there and if you have an audience and something you want to talk about that's great i mean i i think you know the more people you can get involved in a production obviously the bigger you can make right. it but but yeah. producers if they want to put the time in they can pretty much make whatever they want and if they have something worth saying they can put it out on the internet and they have a platform where people can listen and watch all right and you know without necessarily any kind of paid sponsorship would there be any kind of producers or or programs that, that you say oh you know somebody that doesn't know might want to check out that is along those lines of what you're saying. I mean, I listen. I mean, I just listen to like what I like to listen to in my free time. I mean, I big tech nerd, you know, with whether it be you know computer technology or just gadgets and whatnot. And mm -hmm. I mean, I listen to like a Mac podcast every week, and I watch you know these tech reviews online. These guys like they they know their stuff, and they put together really compelling product. I don't think they have a ton of people working with them. They might, maybe they have a lot of people, and they don't, they just don't. Right. Credit everybody, but I, I'm just impressed what individuals who have a passion for something and, and are willing to put forth the effort to do it. Like the the quality is really good too on these, like you know, with the camera. Mm -hmm. And I also noticed like the that sort of that that editing style where you just get rid of all the little like hiccups and it's just like boom, boom. boom the jump boom. cut has become way more accepted now in the world. Like people just don't care that you're just cutting around. If, they, you, if you're putting together a, a full sentence and it makes sense and you're getting quick to the point, the edit doesn't, it's not, it doesn't mean the same that it did before. Right. Well, I mean, that's, that, it's amazing, but it's like, it almost feels like if you're not doing that, 
you know, maybe podcasts are a little different, but it's almost like for video, that seems like something you where the attention yeah. is a little shorter. And some of the TV shows I'm working on now, like interview type shows, like we're, we're me and some of the editors I work, we're constantly like trying to figure out what the line is between when is a jump cut acceptable and when is it not? Because obviously you don't want to make it sound like you're changing anyone's words. And that's, I don't think ever really the intention of it, but like you also don't want to jar the audience. And sometimes it's actually better just to leave the cut in because you don't want to hear the ums and the uhs and the, mm-hmm. the the pauses and people just want to hear quick things and move on to the to the next thought and right it's just interesting where our minds are all going now as we consume media yeah 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 and i think that was another question that i had had for you was uh you know as a producer you probably need to think a bit about the consumption habits mm-hmm. uh you know how your audiences actually uh consume media so i'll just kind of maybe speak to that for a for a minute or so you had some thoughts about yeah i cable mean and and lean back media and things like that. it's interesting because i feel like you know i'm not i'm not i i don't know i mean i'm in my 30s i'm not like i wouldn't say i'm super young i'm not saying super old i'm kind of in the middle of i grew up we still had traditional television that's how you watched you you consumed video i mean it wasn't you didn't really have many other options i mean we had some cable and broadcast tv mm-hmm. so i'm used to just like coming and watching tv and, and the dvr came out i'm used to just recording it on there and and now it's hard to ignore the streaming option of it and i know so many people who are just first of all anyone who's like i don't know under the age of 25 i doubt is going to be subscribing to cable i barely even watching tv I, I'm, su- I'm surprised when people don't even know right. that antennas exist anymore <laughs> yeah i mean i'd say as a as a slightly older person myself yeah. Part of I think the appeal of a cable package becomes the ease of it. Yes, it's like totally. It's just in one place. I don't have to like run around and stay up to date on five different that's the services thing. and things like that. And and I even noticed with my Roku box, yeah, that I still need a cable subscription to get access to all the apps that I really mm-hmm. want to watch. So totally. It's, so it's almost like you know I got to stop like you know taking yeah. my mom's uh, you know cable <laughs> subscription. <laughs> Because I'm too cheap to get one myself. Right. But, like, so it still winds up that somehow cable still has a stranglehold on things. It does. I mean, and I mean, I just love the idea of going home at night. Before I'm ready to sit down, like, oftentimes, like, I, I live by myself. And I'll sit down and want to watch, like, an hour-long show and have dinner. And that's one thing. But, like, when I'm just home making dinner, working around the house, I just want something on in the background. And I don't want that to be Netflix or Amazon where I have to think, oh, i got to put on this show. I have to put on this episode of this show i just want something on in the background mm-hmm. then yeah, before yeah. i go to bed and that's why it's like even I, i'm not like doing traditional cable anymore like i still have means of watching linear stuff i just want to have it's like comfort food it's just something on mm-hmm. that i that i enjoy and i think that's going away and everyone is moving away f- from having that and they just they'll just put on netflix on loop forever and episodes of the show will just keep running by and by and that's fine i guess but i kind of just like let's let there be a dj you know it's 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 telling me what to listen to i, I know it sounds weird but like, i just like that when i'm not act when i'm a passive watcher versus an active watcher having that linear thing on in the background still i i, I totally i totally agree i know what you're saying i feel like there's like something in that like like half a second where you actually have to figure out what you want 
that like you fall down this huge cavern, <laughs> especially on like Netflix or something. Where yeah. Like, well, no, I don't really know. Parks and Rec. I don't know. You know, and it's like, oh, well, there's this new one for Netflix, and then there's this other one, new one, and you know, how am I going to spend the best amount of my time? And it's sort of like, you know, it's 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 kind of weird. It's like you do miss it, that linear experience. I think that's part of the reason I still like radio in my car. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still have an over the air antenna Mm -hmm. Um, i get overwhelmed when i log into netflix and every time i log in there's a new show that looks interesting and i'm like it's not just like i can flip it on for a minute because it's on it's like oh i should start from episode one and mm -hmm. it's there well let me go add it to a list of things and i probably never get to it whereas like just flipping through the channels oh that's interesting i might just put it on i'm not worried about starting from the beginning or starting from episode one it's just there and it's in the moment and i think we're losing that spontaneity for just a mass amount of things that we could watch as opposed to like well it's on let's just watch it right now right right yeah i wonder if there are our our networks or producers or or anybody that's uh you know notices that do you i mean it seems like it's just a it's a shift and i don't know you know maybe it's this is we're just going into place you know i mean i'm wondering if like social media is starting to take that role when you're scrolling through your Twitter feed or your Instagram feed in a little video plays that you didn't like actually pick and it's just I mean some of them are ads but sometimes you're actually seeing content and maybe that's the more spontaneous way of of viewing things you weren't expecting to view but it's different like I I mean I'm gonna look at my phone for a few seconds I like you know as opposed to like something's on the TV I might actually sit down and and really try to take it in and not just thumb through it real quickly. Mm And I think um, you had said a little bit, I, you know, or I don't know, maybe we had been talking before we got on um, about looking ahead, too. It's sort mm-hmm. of like, because if you're talking about your phone, you're talking about wireless, really, yeah. because you're not, uh, you know, you're not, you don't have that landline, you don't have that connection. <laughs> so when you're talking about, you know, accessing all this different footage or videos, content, data. I don't know how you even want to define it, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's really coming through that, that little device that's in your hand. Right. And so um, I guess that's where ultimately things are, things are headed. You can't, can't, can't deny it, right? Right. I mean, I think before, I mean, like having a slot on a cable lineup was kind of a big deal because, I mean... You're subscribing to a whole lineup of channels. You don't even know half of what you're getting. You know, you, there might be a few big networks that you're interested in, but a lot of the content, again, is, is being pre-programmed and it was worthy of being selected by these distributors to be in your home. And mm-hmm. uh, that's how you discovered a lot of networks and a lot of shows and a lot of things. Because you just, you know, kind of like Netflix now, but like yeah, all these channels. But I think yeah, the, the choice of being able to, you're going to be able to subscribe to all these different services it sounds nice in one sense but i think it's actually going to make the entertainment community smaller because there's going to be the average consumer isn't going to want to pay for five six eight different streaming services that's what like cable was convenient you paid for one thing you got everything mm-hmm. with the streaming services it's like well you know i may only want to afford to pay for a few things unless i want to pay an exorbitant amount of money and i think mm-hmm. that's going to put a lot of smaller guys in a tight spot because mm-hmm. it's you know if it's really I hate to say not to say that you know the consumer isn't smart or not smart but they're they're going to have the option to say no to things that they don't know they necessarily want to see until they've seen it right and uh, you're it's easy to limit out a lot of things and while the internet opens up a lot of opportunities it also can make those things more niche and harder to find it's it's weird it's like it's 
more options could become less, I worry it could become less options and and yeah, I think it's more and more consolidation going on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just the nature of the business, but I just wonder, I wonder what the landscape is going to look like five years from now, 10 years from now. I mean, I look 10 years ago, I mean, yeah, there was the beginning of internet video, but it was, it was like this extra ancillary thing. It wasn't how so many people are primarily consuming their media like it is in 2018. Mm-hmm. And we, I, I mean, I think I read some, something somewhere about, about Netflix as well in the sense that like, you know, what's happening with Netflix? Have they kind of passed their peak mm-hmm. um, in some way? And I, I wonder, do you, have you ever thought about that too? Is like, you know, are, are we on that cusp where, oh, now now Disney's going to have a <laughs> mega, like yeah. Disney will have its own Netflix. Right. And so, and then that'll, that'll really uh, have this, you know, huge um, swath of content. <laughs> and we say, you know, and then Netflix, you know, has had its heyday. Not that it has hey, I mean, it's, it's tons of great content on there, too. I mean, I guess that, you know, I don't mean to sound like... It seems like a lot of these streaming services are going to become more reliant on their own content going forward. Uh-huh. I think in the early days of Netflix, yeah, yeah I think what, what how, when the service was really in you know, its, its height a few years ago is, you know, they were introducing originals, but they had so much acquired shows that people loved and people just know to rely on on the service, and... I think a lot of those acquired things are going to go off into these, whoever made them is going to make their own streaming thing. And if you like a lot of their content, then, then great. Then you can go subscribe to them. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, 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 I've heard people saying how, like, you know, the outcry that, you know, oh, Disney's content's going to be removed from Netflix. How, you know, parents, you know, what are they going to do? They, they're, this is how my kids watch their shows. I'm subscribing to Netflix. Well, you might have to subscribe to two things or you might, it's, right. oh, it's going to be more spread out. I mean... It's. I think th- these last ten years have been really like a testing ground for streaming in general and what works and what doesn't work, both from the technology side, from the content side, and it's definitely seems to be the future. But I don't know if anyone has it exactly figured out yet, or if they do, it's not fully mm-hmm. deployed yet. Um, and I question like how many services I'm going to subscribe to because I like a lot of these services, but like to subscribe them to watch one or two shows here and there, it's like you know it's. You know, it makes me wonder where I want to put my dollar, and I'd, you know, it's 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 tough. It's like, how many hours a day do I really get to go home and spend and watch TV? Right, and that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, it's it's funny. I'll I'll just mention this before we kind of head out. But um, there's a, a funny piece. You might be able to find it on YouTube or something. It's like a 60 minutes from like the 70s, mm. and it talks about the promise of cable television. Really, as like. There's going to be doctors that'll you'll be able to talk to your doctor through cable TV and like this amazing like potential of cable television. Sounds like they skipped a skipped a generation. Now. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm just saying like you have a technology, it has all this promise, and then like you know, and then it goes in a different. It settles down. Yeah. Right, and so you know, maybe that's part of what we're what we're going through here is this like sort of settling down process of the internet and internet video and that becomes a well i'm i'm excited for the future of where the internet is going to take media and entertainment but i think like anything you can only plan for the future so much the journey is still in progress and i'm excited to see uh what direction it takes yeah yeah i mean there's there is so many amazing shows out there and 
and people that are doing yeah. really, really cool stuff. It, it's it's it's. Uh, it really is like it's the remarkable. golden age of television. I, I mean, I watch any of these shows on Amazon or Netflix or HBO. I feel like I'm watching a, a cinema quality movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's just so different. It's 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 a different age, and interested to see where it's going to go. Right, it's like it's like a ten hour movie. You know what I mean? Right, and and it's like en- engrossing the whole thing. And I don't mind that it, these seasons have less episodes than they used to be because they have a direction, they have a path, and they just like. They're so enjoyable to watch, in the, and they're innovative, and they're different, and they're not always following the same pattern, and it's just... Mm-hmm. Right, and it's like, you know, one, one episode can be 30 minutes, another mm-hmm. one can be 45. It's like, there is a lot of creative freedom there, mm-hmm. and, it, and, it, and it's exciting. Yeah. I think, there, I think people that are like, I don't own a TV, uh, I'm so much better than you, all I do is read books, is really missing a huge part of what's going on here and i have to say not to get on my soapbox <laughs> here but people have been looking at images and flickering lights since people lived in caves you know what yes. i mean i think there's something that is really primal about looking at images and so i think now that we have these tools and uh, storytelling is refined over thousands and right thousands of years there's, there's something really exciting going on i mean complain all you want about the business side of where all this is going but like the technology that's out there now is really just elevating the art of what can be done with a camera what can be done with uh with storytelling and how it you know it, it's just it's incredible it can really take you and suck you into these worlds that you know you never thought could be replicated on a screen like that it's just incredible yeah